2: Hi, this is Stan Bush.
1: Hi, this is Stephanie
2: Calvert. This is John Payne. This is Jack Hughes. Hey, everybody. This is Prescott Niles. Hi, I'm Carrie Stevens. Hello, I'm Kofi Baker. And you're listening to Play That Rock
0: and Roll.
3: This is not a test. This is Play That Rock and Roll. I'm your host, Joe Kay, and today our guest is B.B. Buell, the author of the new book, Rebel Soul, Musings, Music, and Magic. Now, if you're a subscriber to this channel, you might remember that I spoke to B.B. Buell earlier this year when I visited Rockin' Pod in Nashville back in March. BB was one of the special guests at that event, and she visited our booth for a short interview. Now, with how and Pod was set up, we were only able to speak to her for 15 minutes, and at that point, I had also not read her book. I bought a copy of her book at the event, and I made a point to read it this year, so I could invite her back on the show to talk about what it was like writing the book, and also what went into it. And, as an added bonus, today we're going to have a special guest co-host. Yes, someone who was a previous guest on this show, Abigail DeVoe, from the YouTube series Vinyl Monday. She also read Rebel Soul, and BB's name came up when I interviewed Abby on this show a few months back, so I thought this would be a good opportunity for a collaboration. Abby agreed, so she joins us today to ask BB a few questions of her own. So in this interview, we cover a lot of great topics. We talk about some of the things that she wrote about in Rebel Soul. She tells us about working with Rick Derringer on her debut 1981 EP Covers Girl, and she even gives her advice to young women who want to get into the music industry. This was a fascinating conversation, so I'm really happy that Abby was able to join the conversation and ask her questions as well, so of course I'd like to Uh, Say thank you to Abigail DeVoe from Vinyl Monday. I encourage anyone who's a fan of this channel to check out her channel. She just posted an epic two-and-a-half-hour video called A Brief History of the MC5. It is a fantastic video. You should definitely check it out. And, of course, we need to thank our guest of honor, Bibi Buell, for coming back on the show to talk about her book, Rebel Soul, Musings, Music, and Magic, which you can get... At Hozak Records, which is not just a record label, but it's also a publisher. They've published BB's book, and they have also reissued and remastered that EP I mentioned earlier, Covers Girl, and added two bonus tracks, which includes her cover of T-Rex's Get It On, Bang A Gong. And you might find this interesting. Her cover version of Get It On is what inspired John Taylor to record it a couple of years later with what became the Power Station. So... Not only is B.B.'s cover a great version of that song, it's also a really interesting point of classic rock history. So you can check that out on the reissue of Covers Girl. You can get that at Hozak Records. And you, of course, can find B.B. Buell online at bbbuell.org, or you can find her on Instagram at Real Beebe Buell. And once again, I'd just like to say thank you to B.B. for her time and her candor, and for coming back on this show. I really enjoyed Rebel Soul, and I think if you're on the fence about getting this book, you should absolutely make a decision now, because B.B. tells us there are less than 200 copies of the hardcover still available. And we will talk about, in the interview, why uh, the hardcover version is definitely one you want to get your hands on. So, if you're on the fence about this, I would say get your order in now, and you won't regret it. And you can get copies of those hardcovers at Amazon or hozak Records. So without further ado, here is our conversation with the author of Rebel Soul: Musings, Music, and Magic, B.B. Buell.
0: Nice to see you too.
3: All right. Well, last time we talked, it was in Nashville for Rockin' Pod. Uh, yes, Rockin' Pod. Uh, the booth for a little bit. And when we spoke, you told me to do two things one, get on Instagram, and two, to learn about Hozak Records. And I'm happy <laughs> to say I've done both.
0: Oh, and I bet uh, your life's better now.
3: <laughs> absolutely. Well, with you know what, with the way Twitter's going, I am happy to embrace Instagram at this point. So <laughs>
0: Yeah, I like Instagram. I, I you know, I've been really successful with reaching my audience with Instagram. And um it's helped sell out shows for me. It it has done all kinds of wonderful things. So I only have good things to say about it. But see, I don't use it as a political platform i i use it more as an inspirational platform i try to uplift people
3: yes absolutely and communicate you know it, it gives us a better sense of like you know what's yeah. going on with you let's talk about hozak for a second they published this book rebel soul musings uh music and magic and i know they also uh did the reissue and the remaster of your first ep covers girl i'm gonna ask covers you about girl that. yes yep
0: there's an
3: S about, on that cover. Yes, and it's it, it's it sounded great. I listened to it again today. Very good. I'm going to ask you about that in a bit, but first, let's let's talk about the book. So, uh specifically the pr- the presentation of this book. So, what I love about this is that it is absolutely full of photos, color, black and white. You've got this great cover that's printed on the hardcover. When you were putting this uh book together, um, was this your vision of, as far as presentation goes, was it was it your call to like be really immersive with the photos or did Hozak sort of present an opportunity and then you kind of took the ball and ran with it? How did the production of the presentation come to be?
0: Well, you, you know, I owe this whole presentation to Todd Novak, the creator of Hozak. Not only does he make these incredibly gorgeous books but he's also got, he's a record company. So he has records and, and whatever format you want to buy something, you can get it. But the thing I loved about him is, yeah, I, I, I chose the cover, I chose the image, but he did everything. I mean, he, he puts the whole thing together. You know, he got me a scanner, he told me to get to work. And, you know, anything that I owned or that I had permission to use, I scanned for him. And I mean, believe me, we could have had 200 more photographs in there. <laughs> so that's that's gonna be one of the next projects, um, a coffee table
3: photo book. Oh, very I cool. would love that. I'll, I'll just ask about the, you know, the coffee table book. You know, when that project comes together, I obviously there'll be lots of photos of you, are there going to be pictures that you have also taken?
0: Wow, that's a very interesting question because I've never thought about that. You're the uh. second person; the only other person that ever asked me, "Mommy, your pictures are so good." Is my daughter? Wow. So you know, so there is there's a there is a chance there'll probably be some of my iPhone creativity, but I've never picked up an actual camera, camera. And um, but I've taken a lot of really fun and I think unusual iPhone photos, which 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 I would like to share at some point. But you can usually see them on Instagram,
3: too. So let's let's talk about the stuff that you wrote in this book. You know, you know, for people who don't know, this isn't just a sequel to so to say to your first book, Rebel Heart. Um, Like you say in the title, it's musings, there's essays um, there's a part in the book that you pay tribute, memorialize uh, a number of your friends who passed in recent years, you know, David Bowie and Rick O'Kasik, uh Prince, Tom Petty. And that's a really beautiful part of the book. So my question is, when you were putting this project together, what did you find to be the most emotionally challenging part to write and how did you get through it?
0: I think the most emotionally challenging parts are when you are estranged or haven't fixed a past mistake with somebody. I was absolutely at peace with all the people that had died. Yeah. I had active, ongoing, healthy relationships with those people. And including, you know, I've lost a lot of people that aren't household names too. It just right. comes with the territory. As we get older, you you notice that that we all die together. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just one of those things. In 100 years, we'll be either remembered for doing something wonderful for the world or we won't. It, it's just the way it goes. But I think for me, the hardest part was writing about Todd or Elvis um because those are very challenged kind of relationships that i i don't understand the reasoning behind being bitter or mad still at somebody decades later when there was so much about the time you were together that that was years that held so many fantastic memories and so much history. Oh my God! So many things that Todd and I did together were historic moments. Just we were so lucky to be in the third row, seeing David Bowie do Ziggy Stardust at Radio City Music Hall. Who couldn't? Who could? Who could ask for more? I. I it was unbelievable, but. So for me, that's the cathartic part and and you know my little bit about Lynn Goldsmith who's still really mad at me no. so the, those were the three people that I hope that I was able to touch a little bit maybe is not the, is that the right word that, that I no. because I believe in closure and I believe in love and the thing is that all three of those people, I genuinely love, completely. And I believe that they love me too. But they just have, an, an, they're unable to do whatever it is that makes somebody not want to continue to be mad about old shit. Yeah. I just think it's better for your health, myself personally. I, th- I think it's better because none of those people did anything to me that was just so horrible that that it's unforgivable. I don't speak about the people that have done that to me. Right. I don't mention them. Their names don't get to be part of my life. So if I've loved you and truly loved you, I'll say so. If I don't love you and you're an awful human being, your name will never... I just won't say your
2: name ever again.
3: You, you shouldn't platform people who don't deserve it. And it's a very heartfelt book. I really enjoyed reading it.
2: Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Go to PantheonPodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win.
1: And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package.
0: And guess what, Rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Uh,
3: I want to pivot to the Covers Girl reissue, because we talked about it a little bit in Nashville Um, But what I wanted to ask you uh, about was last time we talked about Rick O'Kasic, but we didn't get a chance to talk about your work with Rick Derringer, who I know is married to your friend. You know, could you tell me a little bit about what it was like back in the day working with uh, Rick Derringer? Oh,
0: well, Rick Derringer... As you know, was the producer De Jour for a while there. Oh yeah, people, you know, he's kind of mysterious because he played with both of Johnny Winter and Edgar Winter, but a lot of people don't realize he produced all that stuff. He produced Frankenstein, yeah. which was yeah. which was a huge hit. Um, he was only sixteen when Hang On Sloopy captivated all of us. I mean, I I think I was in sixth or seventh grade when i heard that on my little radio the first time oh, and I... little did i know that years later that his wife would be my best girlfriend yeah but um but yeah being in the studio with rick it, it was it, he's was very very skilled and very professional when i worked with rick okasic he had only produced one other thing besides me and that was suicide oh. so i I kind of thought that maybe I was um, practice or, or whatever, but no, he he was very very serious about making a record with me, and it, so the two of them, uh, Rick Derringer came in afterwards. Uh, afterwards, uh, Rick Rick Ocasek started the whole thing, and then Rick Nielsen was gonna do two tracks if I had gone with Epic. I mean, I tell that story in the book. Right. My friend Dick Wingate at Epic wanted to put out the record. And he had a great idea. Oh, the three Ricks, you know. (laughs) Rick Ocasek, Rick Derringer, and Rick Nielsen. And uh, I remember uh, my friend at the time, uh, uh, who I, I think I'll just let him remain nameless, not because I don't love him, but he hates it when he gets talked about. Okay, But he goes, oh, all you've got to do next is get Rick Wakeman and then you'll be all set, won't you? (laughs) It was was kind of funny. Um, But anyway, the project evolved as it did. And I ended up on on Rhino Records, which turned out to be kind of cool, you know?
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's an independent label I know. And can you tell me what it was like because uh, I, I remember when we talked you said that it, it sold fairly well for an indie release. It did. So when you put this out, uh, what what was it like promoting the record? what were the, what was the strategy for you to get people to buy it? I mean were you were you doing radio appearances or live shows? Yeah, well,
0: that's what you worked back in those days. Yeah. and guess guess who my guy was. Rhino hired Steve Leeds. Who went on to become the president of of Sirius XM for many, 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 many years? He only just, well, um, president of communications and, you know, that kind of, his title was huge. But Steve Leeds um, started off as a radio promoter. So I would go to his office and we would just work the phone for hours. You know, he would get the radio person on the phone. I would get on the phone with the radio person. We'd do a little interview, and I would do several spots. Hi. This is BB Buell for WBCN Radio, you know, that kind of thing. And this went on all day. This went on, and you just went all over the country, and you did that. And um, you you hoped for airplay. Oh, and gotcha. um, what happened was so many different people because we weren't working a single. Everybody liked a different song. So I was getting played a, a lot, but a different song. But <laughs> it's kind of funny. But the one that seemed to resonate with everybody the most and that became sort of a little semi dance hit in the clubs, in the cool dance clubs, was Fun Time. Right. So, yeah, I want to re record Fun Time someday.
3: Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I was listening to it today. That is definitely one of the better tracks on the EP. I mean, I'd love
0: to do it now that my voice is more seasoned. When I recorded it the first time, I was a little girl. I was like, "Hey, baby, I like your lips, nubby."
3: Hey, baby, I
0: like you know. <laughs> yeah, just totally lean into it. Yeah. <laughs> so it just needs a little bit of dirt, and we'll, you know. But that seemed to be the one that the radio was playing all the time. And um, it was a little long for it to be a single single. So it just went the way it did. They put out a single in the UK on a label called Moonlight. And they did Little Black Egg. That was the one that they thought was going to be the hit, or at least that Rick Kasich was hoping was going to be the hit, was Little Black Egg. But anyway, that that EP, I did all the same stuff you do if you're on a major label. We work the radio. We work the radio hard and I toured. So, and back then when you toured, you toured. It was, (laughs) you know, real kind of touring, you know. You get in the van, you have your trailer with your gear. Somebody has to sleep in the van so you don't get robbed. Right. And it's, I'm glad I did it. I, you know, I, I, I've played a lot of clubs, man.
3: <laughs> oh, for sure. You know, that was going to be my next question. Just thinking about um, when it comes to playing live gigs, you know, over the years, obviously your set list has changed. I saw you play at uh, East Side Bowl in March. And I remember you playing Alice Cooper's Is It My Body and uh, Love Removal Machine by The Cult. Yeah. You know, when you are when you play shows nowadays, how do you pick the songs uh, that you want to play? And, and what are some of your favorite songs to play?
0: Well, it's always fun when you do a cover for it to be a song that you really like. Um, and I judge it by the audience's reaction. And I get... I, I can't play without doing Love Removal Machine anymore. People want to hear me do it, so I'm going to have to record it eventually because it definitely is like the number one Do Love Removal Machine. You know, I always get that one. Um, I've had a fair amount of good response for Is It My Body? Um, but I think that the one that they they always ask for is Love Removal Machine, and what's the other one? I play with the Rock and Roll Residency a lot and yeah. we do covers. Um, but recently I've, I've a couple of times I've done Sonic Reducer and, you know, a Dead Boys song. And the audience has really dug that. So, you know, I just like, I like doing songs that I love, you know, I, I just, and I like to, I like to BBIs them. I like to make them my own. And I like to pay homage to whoever I'm honoring, you know. You want them to like what you did. You want them to like what you've... If you do a version of somebody's song, you you hope that they like it, you know.
3: Oh, absolutely. And it's always good that when, you know, when you can kind of pick deep from the catalog, you know, uh, I think that impresses an audience when you pull out a deep cut, like, Is It My Body, instead of oh, I don't know, school's out, right? You know, that's Oh, a right, little...
0: whatever, yeah. A predictable one, like I'm 18 right. or something. Yeah, I yeah. know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Love, I love obscure nuggets myself. For sure. And, uh, I mean, a lot of people go, oh, you should do that cult song, She Sells Sanctuary. And I, and I was like, well, you know, I'm a rocker and I prefer a love removal machine. And it's like... I just love that song. I I remember the first time I heard it on the radio. I was in the van with my band, the Gargoyles. And hearing that come on the radio, it really, it it knocked us out. It was incredible. And it was like the first time you heard just what I needed by the cars. Or, you know, just remember the first time I heard 18 by Alice Cooper was on the radio. Yeah. Or behind blue eyes by the Who, I mean, just hearing these songs on the radio for the first time, and you could call up your radio station and go, "Oh my God, what was that song you just played?" You know, that's what happened the first time I heard Layla. Oh, I think I was okay. like, I was like a junior in high school or something, and came on the radio, and I could not believe it. I almost fainted, and I was like, <laughs> and I t- I called the radio station. And that's when they used to answer the phone.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
0: And I was like, oh, my God, who was that? And he said, oh, that's uh, Eric Clapton's project, Derek and the Dominoes. And I went right out and I bought it.
3: Perfect that you mentioned that uh, because Abby is a a big uh, Layla fan, a big Eric Clapton fan. So, Abby, why don't you take over from here (laughs) for for a bit?
1: Oh, my gosh. I don't know if you saw my face when you mentioned Layla, but. Uh, I remember the first time I heard that song. Um, I think I played it three times in a row, just 21 minutes straight of the song. I could not believe it. So, oh gosh. Well, you're lucky you have
0: a platform where you could play it three times in a row. The first no. time I heard it, I had to wait for the next time it came on the radio or go out and buy the album. And I did both. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I had it on vinyl. I was listening through this whole record for the first time, and yeah, I think it's a little worn down there now. But anyway, um, yeah, yeah, you were talking about you know the bands you've formed and the groups that you've covered. Um, you know, from the classic rock period to punk, and then maybe into new wave. You've taken to all of these scenes like a duck. To water you are like a rock and roll chameleon so I um, mean my, my first question for you is how do you do it how
0: are you so adaptable I'm not sure I just do what I do I just do me I don't really contemplate it if it happens to have a diverse palette that wouldn't surprise me because I have a diverse you know I'm a diverse thinker yeah. so I, I feel music I I don't I don't jump on trends. I, I stick to who I am. I think that that's pretty consistent. I think the only thing that's changed is my voice has grown up and gotten older. So it, and it's a little tougher. I can I can really nail it now. I can I can sing for hours and not do damage. I have more training. I know what I'm doing. It, it it's just. I don't know how to explain it. I've always just followed what I like. And I've always just listened to what moves me inside and hoped that people would agree. <laughs> a true but...
1: or, a true original moved by the music. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So like reading Rebel Soul and reading about the music and stuff that has moved you. Um and looking at the photos, like I loved the photo portion of the book. It felt like going through photographs with, you know, a cool aunt who isn't really your aunt, just like the family friend you always called Ooh. aunt. That's what it felt like. Um, you know, you'd find a cool ticket stub and go into the story about it, you know, off the cuff. Um, what was choosing the photos for Rebel Soul like?
0: Well, I did what what my publisher asked me to do. he sent me a scanner because I didn't have one, and my husband, who's the techie around the house he he you know got to work and we just started going through the archive and I had to really get organized is really what I had to do I had to like really search but there's still so much more I mean this is just the tip of the iceberg wow but basically this he chose the layout todd my publisher is the one that chose how it would look and um designed it and um conceptualized i mean the the cover is waterproof so if you're like read if you're reading your you know your morning coffee if you're having and you're reading my book and you spill a little coffee on it just wipe it off it'll come right off
1: (laughs) i never noticed that i guess because i had it on my nightstand and you you usually keep a drink i never noticed that you couldn't wreck this you
0: know i don't want anybody to go spilling things on it just because it's waterproof but (laughs) yeah just in case but i i just thought that the packaging was beautiful and i i love the textures and just the work that Todd does is really beautiful. It's nice.
1: Growing up, did you have any experiences, you know, with the women in your life where you would go through their photos and oh, yes. talk about those stories? What was that like?
0: Well, my mother was a model. So, you know, she has live and I have a lot of her stuff and of course live immediately went out and framed everything and We've got beautiful pictures of my mother, and um, it, my mother always kept a lot of photos of me, and I've only got one or two of me with my dad though, because I didn't know him well, which I talk about a little in the book. but it's it's the uh, it's I guess it is a family thing how you how you care about photographs. and uh, I always kept everything. So I'm glad I did. I'm really glad that I did. Looking back on it now.
1: We're really glad that you kept all of that too. Uh, (laughs) Your archive must be amazing. And I can't wait to see more of it. Oh, Um, thank you. Speaking of your photos, what you've kept, and um, your Instagram. So when you first came up in conversation, when I first met Joe... Uh, The first thing that came to mind for me was your Instagram and these beautiful bouquets of flowers that you'd post, you know, flowers that you'd receive from your husband and from your family. Mm -hmm. Um, I promise this is going somewhere. Flowers are kind of a lost art of etiquette, which you talk about a little bit in the book. (laughs) Uh, What's a lost art of the etiquette of the music scene?
0: you know what's that last bit that, what is the etiquette of what the
1: what's a lost art of you know the etiquette of rock and roll what, oh, what that, about well, that rock and
0: roll. i think the art of giving flowers and and writing letters i think it still exists within some circles i you know when susie cave nick cave's wife sent me a gift it was a one of her vampire's wives' capes and Wow. She wrote this beautiful handwritten letter with it, which I appreciated greatly. I, I just thought, wow, this this she's the real deal. She's just a class act and a beauty and everything in between. And I have a couple of girlfriends that are real big with the flowers. It kind of makes me feel guilty. I wish I was a little bit better with that. But I am good with the handwritten cards. But with rock and roll... I used to think there could be some rock and roll etiquette, but it's changed so much. The scene is so different now. You couldn't really write a rock and roll behavior book because... Backstage has become more like a sanctuary for family and very close friends. It's not the hang that it used to be in the old days. Yeah, you
1: can't the, just that, you can't just knock on the door and ask to be. Oh let no, in. no
0: no 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 no. So the, you know there would be there's plenty of etiquette rules in those kind of situations. How to, being polite is always number one. That's what I always say. That just be you know be courteous, be polite. Don't, you know, act like, don't act like a nutbag. It's It's pretty simple. <laughs> but I, I think the long lost art of a lot of things has dissipated because for me, I feel, I feel like Patty Smith, I think, feels the same way about her Instagram that I feel about mine it's become more of like a diary for me, like a daily diary where I look back, where I look at the day, where I look forward, where I get excited about a gig or, and, and it's become sort of more like my personal way of communicating with with people that I love and people that I don't even know. But um, I, I find that it, that it really gives me the opportunity to be me and, and that's that's the best place I have found to be able to execute that. And I don't know what we're gonna do. The world is so different now. It's, and you can, you know, we could get into what's going on in the world, but I I, I think we're all exhausted. Oh God, yeah. I mean, we're all exhausted. That doesn't mean that nobody cares. All I right. care immensely. Uh, You know, to the point where I ate a bag of chips one night. I mean, it's just, we've gotten to that point, you know, where it's very worrisome where we are. But, But in every war and in every upheaval in our world, there's always entertainment. It's very important. People need it. They need it more than ever when we're going through the things we're going through. People need love and they need entertainment. And, you know, I'm perfectly happy to do both.
1: Absolutely. Um, this is more of an open-ended question, maybe in line with the last one. What advice would you have for a young woman traversing the
0: world of rock and roll? What, what To be a musician? Um, or um, just embracing the the world?
1: A musician, a muse, a writer.
0: Any well, of it. being a muse is not a a good paying job. I I wouldn't recommend that. I mean, being a muse is something that either it encompasses your life or it doesn't. You can't just go, hmm, I think I'll be a muse. Um, I'm, in order to to muse something, uh, you're you, you you need to be uh, part of it, you know, you, you know it, it's it's hard to explain. It's hard for me to put it into words. So that right there, check that off. I mean, anybody that just wants to hang around musicians, I think those days are kind of past. I, um, I don't think there's really that kind of scene anymore where people can just frolic together and go chase the rock bands those days are really over it's we live in such a different world now and bands are scared because of the me too movement and because everybody from the 70s is getting sued for inappropriate behavior and it's it's uh, life on the road now is all about family and doing great performances um so if you like that family life uh, You bring your kids and your family along with you on the road now. Um, But being a musician, that takes complete 100% dedication and you have to be really serious and you have to be willing to suffer because you don't get everything handed to you all at once. That's for sure. And I think that's why people are excited about a town like Nashville because somebody like Taylor Swift can be discovered when she's 17 years old in a tiny little place called the Bluebird. And there's that that element in, in Nashville that I find exciting. I've been here 11 years now. And it's very refreshing. The music scene is always recharging, changing. It's very active. Now, the political scene here needs a lot of work. But um, <laughs> we are a red state. We're turning purple. Well, we are purple now. There's a lot of blue here because of all the transplants. But, but any advice I would give a young girl is: be, be a musician if you have truth and dedication inside of you. If you're going to learn an instrument, if you're a singer or a songwriter, don't wait. Don't dilly dally. Just get to work. Do it, even if you're fourteen. You know what you want when you're 14. I did, I knew what I wanted when I was 10. So it's it's really okay. But I think if anybody is aspiring to meet a rock star and get married and to be a rock wife, um, I think you have to have your own thing going. Uh, you really, it's very, very important in this world Women can't just float around like they used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very different. You got to have a good job. And even if it's not a job that pays a billion dollars, it has to be something that you love. You know, something that makes you happy and something that also allows for you to be a musician. So that that takes getting started early. But work ethic, uh, it's, it's complicated because I didn't get as serious about my music until after I had had Liv, and I was about 26 or 27 when my first record came out. So I wasn't 17, but yet I had all the, the same knowledge of somebody that had been around this industry for 10 years. But I'll tell you, things are very different on every level. It's harder for bands to get record deals now. There's not that many record companies that that think progressively. There's a, it's, it's a very closed sort of little thing right now. So, so really the only way you can have your own voice is to break out like a band like the Struts or Starcrawler. They did it all through the internet through, and also their brilliant live shows blowing everybody's minds when they played live, you know, but I, I don't know. I just, I think it really depends on what your dream is.
3: But on that note about doing the work, I want to pivot back to uh, actually something we've talked about a couple of times now on Instagram. I saw recently that you have been putting in the work. I saw a post that you were in the studio with, uh, is that, um, Gregory Latimer. Yeah. Recording with. Yeah. So is this part of uh, a new album from you?
0: No, no, no. This is something, this is a special thing that I've
3: done.
0: It's a, it was one song. Um, You'll hear about it soon.
3: Oh, very good. It's my,
0: it's a contribution that I, uh, my contribution to an already existing and in the works tribute to a special person.
3: Oh, very cool. Very, yeah. I know you had planned, uh, you, you have a new album planned at least. Are you still working? Yes, on I
0: do. Okay. I, I absolutely do. And um, I, you know, I, I'm moving forward sort of one song at a time, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. Um, I would love to, I, I'm thinking I would really love to work with Greg. Yeah. So I'm feeling it out. I'm feeling it out a little bit. I just want to get through this year, and then I'm going to dive back in pretty deep. And I'll be—I'm—I'm I'm doing something very cool though. On January twenty-fourth, I'll be singing at the Ryman for the first time. I—I'm I, so only one song, but I'm thrilled about it. Wow. I'm going to be. Yes, I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm so excited about that. What's the and, occasion? Uh, hmm?
3: What's the occasion?
0: Um, the Smithereens are opening for Mr. Big.
3: Oh, okay.
0: And you, as you know, I recorded a Smithereens song in my career, and they love my version. And Pat DiNizio loved my version of um, "Top of the Pops." Yeah. So I'm gonna come out with the guys in January and do it with them.
3: Very cool. Very at the cool.
0: Ryman, I'm yeah. so. At the Mother Church, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I got another one crossed off my bucket list now.
3: Absolutely. Well, congrats on that. We're looking forward to that already. And another thing I'm looking forward to, and I wonder if you can give us an update, is uh, I I know that there's a documentary that was in the works about you. Is that still going forward?
0: Yes. And, you know, what happened with that whole thing was COVID.
3: (laughs) Oh, of course. Yeah. And
0: then a strike.
3: Oh, right. Yeah. I shouldn't laugh about that. That's right. So now
0: so now the whole thing has like moved into an entirely different dimension. It's, ah, uh, I've got, a, I've got a, a brilliant young producer now, but that's for sure. I'm somebody great, but I, I'm at the point now where I am just, I'm just not talking about it mm-hmm. until the, what, whoever, who, or whoever controls COVID and <laughs> the strike they need to get their shit together and figure out what's going on. And everybody has to get in sync with the rules and the laws. And you can't treat actors and writers like shit. Absolutely. And you can't, you, you just can't keep telling people that they're gonna get sick with COVID if they don't get a vaccination every year. So it, the whole, it now suddenly COVID that was always not the flu right has become the flu yeah <laughs> the, you know it's, it's 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 crazy but um i mean I, I i think you've probably noticed when i just went to see chris isaac i noticed that his guitar players all brought him his guitars and they had masks on so crews still yeah. wear the mask because you know you can still get it but you know I, as far as the documentary goes I'm forging ahead with other things that I'm doing that, and some of them reflect even a series. There was somebody else that's interested in buying my life story. So I've got this complicated soup in front of me right now. Thank God I've got a good attorney. (laughs) (laughs) Hi Wallace. (laughs) Anyway, um, you know, think because know they say when it rains it pours or I don't know if it was after Daisy and the six or after Steve Jones's thing came out. Suddenly my life started looking very attractive as a series to certain producers. So there's that to consider as well. So therefore making a documentary would be more effective if you were making it while you were maybe working on one of those kind of projects and, who knows? I'm just the subject at this point. I'm trying to kind of stay away and let them work it all out and figure out who, who gets what, who doesn't get what. Where is it going? Where is it not going? I just, but I mean, I support it. I support the project 100%. But I think right now it's best for me to not be too involved until they get it all. Sorted right, but it's happening. Boy, Good. is it happening as long as it's, it's happening. still happening? It's happening like in three ways now instead of just one.
3: Yeah, but you
1: could even say it's all happening. It's all happening. It's happening. Oh my god,
3: <laughs>
0: it's all happening. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, uh, in the meantime, fans can get this book, this will have to hold them over.
0: Well, I have to tell you about Rebel Soul, guys. If you want the hardcover, I think there's like 200 left. And the only way you can get these hardcovers is uh, on Amazon, of course. And um, just search B.B. Buell Rebel Soul and it'll come right up. Um, Or through Hozak. And you can go to the Hozak website and it's Hozak Records and Books. I, I'm not sure exactly um, how they're, it's very easy to find them.
3: I'll post um, a link.
0: It's all at the link in my bio as well you know, on Instagram. but if you get it, you can get it directly from, from the publisher or through Amazon. But once these hardcovers are gone, that's gonna be it for the hardcovers and then we're gonna go paperback. It'll be that nice hard paperback but still it won't be the same as having this gorgeous almost coffee t- mini little coffee table book yeah. sort of, right?
3: Absolutely. It's, now, for the yeah. the paperback are you planning any additional material to be in the paperback like an extra chapter or anything?
0: Well, if if Todd wants me to do that, I would be happy to.
3: You know, oh, he okay. has a
0: if Todd wants me to um add something or yeah, I would love it. And I just had another, um, oh, did you read the Pre- Preservation Society books that Hosek put out
3: about- uh, No, um, unfortunately I have not the, have not the,
0: the um The albums that, the, the coolest albums ever made that didn't hit the top 100. They have oh. volume one and volume two. Okay. Well, I did a chapter in both of those books. So I did the flaming groovies for volume one and i i did um johnny winter and for volume two but you gotta they put out great books and their photo books are beautiful they're really cool nice so Hozak, you guys that's h-o-z-a-c well you you'll you'll turn them on to that
3: won't you oh absolutely i just think it's really cool that you originally released covers girl on an indie label back in the early 80s and now all this time later it's only appropriate that the reissue comes out on an indie as well full circle. yeah well i i um
0: uh, i support the indie market i yeah. support in- independent labels independent music independent artists i mean some of the best bands i've ever seen don't have big budgets but they can still pack the same room that the guy with a big budget can can pack there was this band for a while, and they had a horrible name, but they were so fucking good. Excuse my French. Am I allowed to say the F Oh word? sure, yeah. Okay, um, um, they were called Diarrhea Planet, and they had seven guitar players, and they were brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. And um, a little unknown fact that I didn't know about the word diarrhea. If you ask an Asian person what their favorite American word is, they say diarrhea because it's so beautiful. The way it. they, they think the, oh. the whole way the word flows is beautiful. <laughs> but I don't know how they got the, the name Diarrhea Planet. They became DP after okay. a while. But um, they were so good and they were getting huge. They were one of those bands that everybody saw them flip. Couldn't believe it. It was just crazy. You can Google them.
3: I, I will, but I'm going to be very careful about spelling that very specifically when I Google. But anyway, I don't want to they get just, any accidental results. No,
0: but I'm just saying they just yeah. did like a you know a get together comeback gig again, and the place was mobbed. And the same with my husband; his band Doth Daman just yeah, oh. did a, re, a did a reissue, and they're playing a few shows here and there again. And it's amazing the fans. I guess uber fans fans that really care about you they stick with you forever i have people that come to see me that came to see me 30 years ago wow. it's wild it, it it's it's part of it it's part of why i love what i do
3: because of, of the connection absolutely and that's a mm-hmm. i think a really positive note uh, to go out on i think we've had a nice connection here today I just want to say to anybody listening that they should absolutely order this book. It's very heartfelt, Uh, beautiful presentation, as we talked about. And uh, when that new album of yours comes out, I I hope you'll come back and visit us because I would really love to have a longer conversation with you about your your whole discography. I think you have a lot Uh, of good stuff in there.
0: Okay, I'm taking selfies of us right now.
1: All right. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for your sage words Mm -hmm. of advice, and uh, all of the wonderful insight you gave today. Um, Rock and roll is a weird space to be in. You don't really understand it until you're there. Um, And there's just something so wonderful about hearing from someone who's been in that space
0: for so long. I'm just happy that I've been alive for all of this and I hope I get to be alive about thirty or forty more years. We'll see. Absolutely. I'd love to live to be hundred and ten. That would be awesome. And you'll keep and you'll keep rocking until you're one hundred and ten. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I think I I think you can go, oh well, wow, look at Willie Nelson and he Yeah. He was, yeah. And look at Mick.
3: Yeah. Keith Richards. I guess into
0: your eighties, I suppose. Yeah.
3: Oh yeah. Why yeah. not? Oh yeah. As far as today goes, B.B., I just want to say thank you so much for your time today. It was great meeting you in Nashville. It's so good talking to you again today. Uh, Best of luck with the new record and I hope uh, those last remaining 200 copies go real quick.
0: And mm, uh, let me know um, when I can share this interview with my my fans. Let me know.
3: Absolutely. Probably in about two weeks. Okay. Okay. All right. All right, baby. You take care now. Bye-bye, guys. Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember the big four things you can do to support this show that don't cost a dime. Number one, listen to the show. If you're hearing this now, that means you did this part already. Thank you. There is an infinite amount of content out there, so you choosing to spend some time listening to this show means a great deal to me. Number two, if you like what we did here, please recommend this show to family, friends, or anyone you know who's looking for a podcast, particularly about music. Share our links in Facebook groups, subreddits, and recommendation threads. Whatever you can do is highly appreciated on my end. Number three, find us on social media. Follow us on Twitter, at Play that Podcast. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash play that podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash c slash play that rock and roll. Lots of great material like photos and vlogs on all three platforms as play that rock and roll is very much meant to be a content hub as well as a podcast. And finally, the big ask. Number four. Please give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I know this part is a hassle, but it really does help the show a great deal. Not just because it affects the algorithm, but also because it gives me something I can point to when pitching this show to potential guests. The more social media followers and positive ratings the show has, the better chance I have for booking high-profile guests for interviews. So if you take a moment to give us even just a five star rating, you are actively giving us a tool to do bigger and better things here. But whatever the case, I appreciate any and all efforts you take to support us here at Play That Rock and Roll. Be sure to join us next time for more great stories and music from the world of classic rock.